what I had to do for myself too, which is like a little uh, like sort of hard to admit, but like my imposter syndrome was like so great. Despite working at one of the best like colleges in the world and getting recruited and stepping into this bigger role and taking on these consulting positions that I, I had to create an evidence folder. I had to create and look at the wins that I had from these different areas of like career and life. And I had to stack it all up and look at it to objectively even say, oh yeah, maybe you have some worth to do this. And it's terrible to say that, but it's true. Like I had to see it on paper to start to convince myself. And then I had to keep learning more skills and like stacking the skills that I already had on top of the things that I already did to continue to prove it myself because I just didn't really feel it. Hello and welcome to Be The Wolf. I am your host, Jenea Barnes. Many people struggle to be the fullest, biggest, truest versions of themselves. They bend to fit into other people's ideals of who and what they should be. They tame their brilliance to avoid judgment and gain approval. A long time ago, people attempted to tame the wilderness of Yellowstone National Park by eradicating predators. Taming the wilderness collapsed the ecosystem. But there's hope. In the mid-90s, 41 wolves were introduced into the park and with this, the ecosystem replenished itself and flourished. The wolves did nothing but be exactly who they are meant to be and do what they were born to do. So I say to you, be the wolf. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Be the Wolf. I am super excited. I am here with Mike O'Connor, and we're going to talk about those patterns where you keep ending up with the same problems at the job you had. Now, I know this has happened to many of you before you left one job or you got promoted or something and you thought it was going to be better. You thought that everything was going to be so great. And then four to six months later, you're like, shit, everything is exactly the same. Same problems, different boss, whatever. So we're going to talk about that. And so if that's happened to you, you probably would want to continue to listen. So, but Mike, Mike is doing something that is perfect for him now. He's not having those problems anymore. So what are you doing today? Yeah. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's, it's great to be with you. And I just love the analogy that you have for, for opening the show. But right now I am working as a consultant and coach. So I help higher education schools, universities and colleges up their, their career services program. But the thing that I also work on that I'm super, super passionate about is coaching and helping people find professions and jobs that they absolutely love. And that connects with their, their inner voice, their inner wolf, if you will. So great to be here and I'm glad to be with you. Oh, I'm super excited. Okay. Now we all have a why we do the things that we do. And most people are not really aware of why they're doing it. Oh, I have to pay the bills and I have to make money. Blah, 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 blah. 
<laughs> so that's that's their why as far as they know. But I know the people that have most of the people that come here on Be the Wolf, they've found something that's true and right for them. So there is a why they do what they do. So for you, why is it that you do what you do? <laughs> yeah, you know, work represents like such an incredibly like big piece of our lives, like 40% of your waking life and do it without any kind of purpose, without any kind of intentionality or to work in any capacity that doesn't really connect to that like inner voice or the thing that you know is just you and the things that are inherently you that you've designed and baked and become and sort of stepped into. That's just really sad. And I know so many people, and I've been that person that is just very disconnected from like from the sort of bigger why. So my why is helping people find their why because I've I've had it and I've lost it and I found it again and it feels really good and it feels really good to have it. So my why is essentially help more people find their why and connect with things that really bring them joy and that, you know, meet and help the needs of of others and help them essentially take the things that that they're best at and the things that they love and connect that to needs in the world. I love this because one of the keys to happiness, right? And those of you that know my why, I always say it at the end, but I'll say it right now. It's when we feel good about who we are and what we do, we create joy and elevate humanity. And so the one of the keys to happiness, which of course is creating joy, is that we have to have a bigger problem to solve. The brain needs a problem to work on. And it's not the the problem. It needs a good problem to work on. Let me clarify, because making sure I don't end up on the street is not a good problem to solve. As soon as you can solve that problem time and time again, and it makes you go forward and stop. You pay the rent, you stop, forward, stop. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's not a good problem to solve. We need a problem that's not solvable, right? Forever I can do, find a million ways to help people feel good about who they are, what they do, create the joy. I can do that all day long for the rest of 18 million lifetimes. And so having that key, that purpose, that why is so important to your happiness because it gives you something creative, something bigger and more expansive to focus on. I think before we dive deeper, this is a really good time, Mike, for you to tell people about the free gift you have that helps people unlock their superpowers and purpose. Tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. So if it, you can find it on my website, it's theactualizedself.com, T-H-E hyphen actualized hyphen self. And then we've got, we've got linked in the show notes here as well. But it's essentially a two exercises to sort of find your purpose, right? So to work out what that sort of bigger mission is for yourself and start to look at the things that you like doing and the things that bring you joy and putting those together and mapping them to the world's purpose. And then the other thing that I, I do with a lot of clients is called finding your superpower, where it's essentially like a really simple Google form that you're going to, you can take and replicate and it's got the questions pre-filled, but you're going to ask three to five people, like, 
what is the thing that you'd steal from me if you could, right? So colleagues, friends, people that know you really well, like what's the thing that I do better than 99% of people? And it's, it's a fascinating exercise because more often than not, we discount the things that we're really good at because they're easy to us. So like having that reflected back and seeing it just tends to be a really powerful exercise because the things that you see, you're like, well, that's easy. And it's just like, well, yeah, it's easy for you. So I, I, th- I found it to be such a useful exercise because you just get a, a completely different mindset shift and concept about who you are and what, you know, what's unique about you from the vantage point of people that have worked really closely with you. And one of the things that's really great about that, because people have this tendency to focus on what they lack. So they, and this is a survival skill, you guys. I mean, it's a survival thing that happened when life was much more difficult than it is to provide your basic needs, food, shelter, heat, water, because you had to focus on what you lacked so that you could survive. But here we are in this very abundant world, even though it's, I know it might not feel like it, but that's because we're focused on what we lack. So it's really hard sometimes to see our own superpowers and our own strengths because we're comparing ourselves to others. We're seeing like, oh, they have that. I don't have that. So you're focused on what you lack. So I love this exercise for people. So If you are listening or watching right now, go to theactualizedself.com and there's hyphens in there. So it's the hyphen actualized hyphen self.com right now and grab that so you don't forget. (laughs) Yeah, no, thank you. It's it's true. And I think in the, the age of sort of social media, right, like all of that, it's just become amplified. We compare ourselves so much to, to other people and you're constantly thinking from this deficit mindset. And if you're, if you are somebody that's like really interested in improving yourself, as your listeners are right. And like leveling up and stepping into the sort of better version of yourself, you're naturally going to be inclined to be working on your weaknesses and trying to leverage your strengths and all of those things. But you're not necessarily honoring the things that you do really, really well. And more often than that, I found that like leaning into your strengths, you always want to improve your weaknesses and and try to get better, of course. And we all know that, but you're going to have a lot more ROI when you lean into the things that are, you're just naturally good at. You're going to find more joy and purpose and really leveraging those. Yeah. And one of the things, I think this will be a great place to lead into your story. One of the things that people are really very, they, this is a pattern they create. They feel like everything has to be hard. They, when you don't lean into your strengths, obviously, just like Mike said, you want to continue to improve yourself and get better at the things that you're not so great at because it helps you. But when things come easy to us, a lot of times we doubt it. We are like, oh, this is too easy. It must be wrong. And so we will pivot ourselves or self sabotage and make things harder because for some reason, you have this belief that you have to work hard. And this has been drilled in, right? Generations, generations, just work hard and you'll be okay. Just work hard and nobody, you put your head down, work hard. Nobody can say anything to you. They won't fire you. Don't be too loud. Don't be too noisy. Just work 
hard. So, so many of us have grown up with this belief that we're not even aware of that we have to work hard to have something good. So when things come easy because we're leaning into our superpowers, it's like we don't trust it. That's really well said. We don't trust it or we don't, you know, it's, it's funny too, because I think sometimes when you're in that like flow state and you're just like in this sort of space of like, this is natural, you can actually like work long and hard, but it doesn't feel like work. You're just doing the thing that sort of comes natural to you. It's like a little bit of a challenge, but it's like leveraging the things that you're really good at. Right. And that's another thing that I've just found really helpful. Right. When you can just like Find the conditions that help you get into that sort of deeper, more immersive state and like start to engineer for that, right? It's like, it's like that magical mix of things that you're good at with like a little bit of that like challenge mixed in and, and having the sort of conditions set up, right? But those are like those magical moments in life, right? Like those like really incredible things where you're just firing on those different cylinders and you're just in it and time just goes completely different. But everything you said is just really right. Like we, we really discount some of our natural gifts and we have this idea that things are supposed to be hard or difficult or, or whatever. And, and a lot of that, I feel like it's just this sort of conditioning of this you know, the age that we've been in for a really long time, which was they're really specific jobs and there are very specific tasks and your job is to do these really specific things. And I'm just of the mindset that the world is shifting so very fast and that we're, our, our mental models just haven't really caught up to like where it's really going. But I think we're, we're in this really unique space where we can step in and live authentically and and map to, to where the world is going versus where it's been. Yeah, I definitely feel like we're arriving in the age of authenticity where we get to access what's true and right for us more and more. And those that you have, of you that have been listening for a long time, you know that it's my belief that the more people we have operating from that place, that we will rebalance our own ecosystem, just like the Yellowstone wolves did. <laughs> Yellowstone. Just by being who you were born to be. So, Mike, you got a dream job a while back. And first of all, how did you know it was a dream job? What was it about this job that you thought it was your dream? Yeah, I think I used the term dream job. And I think if, if I was like being as radically honest with myself as I have been in like the last like year, I wasn't. I was, it was on a path where for a long time, I was, I was trying to essentially step into a senior level career role. Right. And I think my, my why, when I started doing what I was, what something similar to what I'm doing now was like helping college students find the things that they're really curious and passionate about. And that was my why, right. Which isn't super different from what, you know, what it is now. But what happened along the way is I, I found myself in positions where I would get promoted to leadership positions or step into these different roles. And I had my eye on like the big job and I was just so focused on that big job. I was just like, that's the next step. That's the thing I'm going to do. It was almost like the default path. Right. And so I think my dream was all completely self-architected. It was all just like, oh, well, I'm going to be happy when I hit 
this thing, right? I'm going to be happy when. I'm going to be happy when, right? I've worked hard. I've done these different things and I've positioned my skills and all these things to be really good for this, right? And wow, the people that are one step above me are making 60% more than I am. Like, this is going to solve these, this imposter syndrome that I have, or this, like these things that I have, it's going to like help, help with or whatever. And it's like, it's so funny that I thought that or felt that because I helped people get jobs. That's what I did, right? I listened to this stuff. I read the literature. I'd see these sort of faults in sort of other people, but I just wasn't for whatever reason, it just wasn't sort of part of my operating system. I was just really focused on getting, getting this thing. And long story short, what had happened for me was I, I get recruited to a job. I have this like very crazy sort of set of circumstances where my second daughter or second daughter was 12 days old. I interview on less than 24 hours notice. I had to leave my job, which was an hour away from home say goodbye to like my wife and two kids, hop on a flight, barely catch the flight, barely catch the connecting flight. Don't make it there until midnight, then wake up, have a 12 hour interview, go through this stuff and then get the offer. And it was like this crazy set of circumstances. And now it's just, oh yeah. And we're going to move halfway across the country, like for this thing. And we're going to do it. And the combination of the finances and the, the opportunity and all that, it was like, I just felt like I couldn't say no to it and nor did I want to, right? I had been working for a long time to do this thing. And so I take the job. Great. But start it's, it's going pretty well, less than a year in a few things happen, but COVID big one. So everything changes. Every, dun, dun, dun. And then COVID happened. <laughs> no, it's so cliche. Like, like, That's hilarious. This crazy thing happened. But now it's like cliche to say. <laughs> so. I know. It's like everyone had it. Yeah. So COVID. And then my mom, my mom's died. And I was just like this guilt of being so far away and just not, not being there and not being present. Our daughter, our second daughter, I think because of a combination of COVID and then frankly, like work and my own just sort of being preoccupied and my wife and I, like she was just spending more time on iPad and just not getting the interactions she really needed at the developmental stage. And we saw these, these like developmental delays popping up and we had, so like, like a year plus of doing all of this, in fact, more than that, it was like more like a year and a half. I, I just like, like your analogy with. Yellowstone and what was happening with that ecosystem pre-Wolves, it's like, I felt like a part of me was dying. It was like, I was holding up all these different aspects of the school and I felt like I was, I should say, stretching and trying to do work in all these different areas and do great work and really taxing myself to be like, okay, well, we're, I'm going to push here. I'm going to push there. But I could feel that a lot of people from a lot of different areas were really leaning on me. And I wasn't really using the gifts that I had or the things that I had or like growing in any kind of way as much as I was just stretching. One of the things that I see that's really interesting because the work life started taking over and the home life and the personal life needed more. You wanted to be able to give it more attention, but you were unable to because work was just more and more and more. And I think how many people out there can relate like so many things. Oh, okay. You finished that here. Can you do this too? Oh, and this too. 
But the way this job set up is here's this monumental thing in your family, your personal life that just happened. And here is this opportunity. I always just find it so funny how life gives us the same sort of choices over and over where it's like, do you choose what this monumental thing that just happened in your family and devote your attention to that? Or do you jump on a plane and run to connect the flight and do this and then interview for 12 hours and all of this and then, and then, okay. And then a year later, here we go. Now you're at the same point where it's like, oh, there's this choice between what's going on in the personal life and the family. And then the running hectic at work. So it's already a mirror in that place. It's just, I find that so interesting about the way things really show up. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. Yeah. It's like this funny, like Dore, Dore, B kind of thing, I think, right? Like, which, you know, you can't have it both. You can't do both. And yeah, like I, like I was going through all this and, you know, and you and I had the, the pre-conversation, which just share with the listeners. I, when all of this happened, I then, I, I made a really difficult decision to say, you know what, like I have to really figure out a different path and I just need to step away. And I need to do something completely different. I don't even know what that is, but I need to do something different. And then what ended up happening was I got offered a very different job, essentially be the number three person at the school. And I was in the same place again, right? And had this like big, big, shiny object, big, shiny opportunity in front of me. And those doors that you just referenced, like the same thing happened again. And I took it and I was because I was like, how can I not? And how can I not do this? And then to make a really long story short, I found myself in the exact same place again, right? Like the same place. It was just this sort of like this pattern. And when I stepped back from it now, or when I even thought about it later, I was just like, this is the same thing I happened before I left the previous job or the job before that, or like. This is the same thing happening again and again and again. So you were able to see it this time. Finally. Yeah. I, I, I shouldn't say that. I'd seen it before. I knew it was a pattern. I knew it existed. For some reason, I thought that this shiny object, which was a different path and a different thing. Right. And I think that's what people do because... You know, it's like, oh, this is totally different. This is not like the other thing. It's a totally different. First, it starts with a different company. And so this is a different, same job, different company. It will be different this time. And then you get there six months in. You're like, oh, okay. Well, let me, you know, you do that a couple of times. Then you realize, okay, changing companies doesn't do it. So maybe I have to change careers and do something totally different. So then you change careers. And it's one thing after another, but what was, what were the things like you, I know you've done the work to discover what was going on within you that was creating that pattern. Yeah. It was like this inner, it's a really good question. I think about how to best answer and also sort of put myself back in this place, but it was just taking too much energy to fake it. Right. And it got to the point where there was this one particular day I'll never forget where I'm, I think I'm a little bit like angry about like passive aggressive email I got the night before. And I'm like, just like, why am I spending energy on this? Right. It was like, I was in that mental state in the morning and I dropped my daughter off at daycare and 
like the thing that brought me like a little bit of joy in the morning was like going to this nice coffee shop, seeing the same people that work there and getting my coffee and just like, be like, okay, I'm going to disconnect for the day. I've got some quiet time. I'm going to have this nice walk in beautiful day. Like we're all good. Right. But I walk into like my little happy place and there's two people that I was like emailing with that I was having like this like stupid little thing that like when I saw them there and I remember just being like, nope, not doing it. I walked right out. <laughs> it's like, I was like, I don't have the energy to have this completely fake interaction. And I don't, and the only way I'm going to get through this little interaction, this is terrible to say, was like, I'm going to have to like tell either one, tell somebody off or, or like completely swallow things that I, in a way that I don't feel good about. I don't want to do either of those. Right. But it was that sign for me where I was just like, okay, like if I can't have a conversation with somebody who is just, you know, just doing something that they feel that they need to do to get through their day. Right. And I can't like do that. Like maybe I'm not in the right place or <laughs> like maybe there's like something telling me here that this is not a great situation and this is something that you should really evaluate and get a little bit more curious about so there was that and then there yeah oh sorry i was just gonna say because i know a lot of people really can relate to that place where let's just put on the smile and go to work even though i just want to stab people and do things that i will never do and i will hold it all in and creating more and more stress for the body. And so those moments where you feel like you have to fake it totally. is an indication that you're experiencing stress. Completely. Yeah. And it was just like, it was, there were so many little things like that. There was a series of events that I was putting together and different sort of things that I was hosting or facilitating or leading. And I feel like there's always this sort of interesting sort of balance and dynamic that we all walk between like our authentic selves and like the professional self. And I think like, ideally you want to learn like where the two intersect or being a, a place where it's like, you can just be completely authentic, right? And not have that sort of energy drain. But for me, it's like the two were just getting pulled apart a bit. And the overlap was like, just really, really small. But I wasn't really like finding that, which didn't feel, feel good. So like I, so I knew with that as I stepped back, I was like, it's, it's time to really reevaluate and start to kind of look at, look at different things and be in a, in a different space and, and work on things that I, that I care about that, uh, that are authentic and that will help people and that help all these other things. And when I stepped back and I took the sort of bigger diagnostic, like I had this I realized that so much of my conditioning around things like money were completely scarcity mindset. And I think so baked into my identity from a young age that like the script was overpowering the realities of what the spreadsheet actually was telling me when I looked at, okay, well, if you were in this much income doing these kind of things, like this will pay for stuff. Yeah, I think it was for me, it was a lot of, it was a, a funny mix of really addressing the sort of authentic things that were pulling me apart from from what I didn't want to do. And then looking very realistically and honestly, a lot of the different things that, that I wanted to do and that I could control for and, and knew I had some autonomy over. So, um, happy to stay in a much better place. <laughs> well, you've got that place where the scarcity mindset is running your life. And I know, again, I know so many people can relate to this place. Because you're focused on what's going to happen if you don't 
do something, right? It's not focusing on what you have. It's like, oh, I have to do this or I will lose these things, realizing that you have the capacity to go somewhere else, do something different, all of these things. But when you've been brought up in that fear mindset that you have to prevent the catastrophes from happening, you focusing on all the things you don't have. We talked about it a little bit in the beginning that you're you're focusing on what you lack. We are comparing yourself to other people like, oh my gosh, they have a new Mercedes Benz. I felt like I wanted to sing that in a country twang there. (laughs) But you're focusing on things other people have that you think that you lack, that you think will be the source of making you happy. But once you start to realize that you have enough, you are enough, your nervous system starts to calm down and that stress of trying to fake it at work changes. You you start to feel calm and move forward in a different way. You feel internally, you feel safe. And the reality is, is most people don't feel safe. And so they're experiencing all this stress. They're thinking they have to fake it to make sure that they're safe. All of these different things. And this is a good time. A lot of you don't know. You guys are doing all these things to manage stress. You're going to yoga. You're learning to meditate. You're doing all this stuff. But the problem is if you're doing a ton of self-care to try to get through your horrible job, you're actually making your stress worse. You guys can find out more about this at elevatefreegift.com. There's a guide that you can download that is called Three Reasons Self-Care Makes Your Career Stress Worse. And the one thing that works, so open up the browser, elevatefreegift.com. You can get that free guide. And so you're feeling the stress. The stress is overwhelming. You know it's time to make a move. So what is it that you do? Yeah. Well, just this underscore something that you just you just said there. I was doing exactly what you just said, right? I was doing daily journaling and meditation and like working out, doing all of the stuff and so checking it. I just found myself getting back into this sort of space. And for myself to make a bigger move, there was a few things. There was the looking at costs and getting like really particular and granular with financial needs and things like that. So that was a big part of it, just for the mental side of it. And like looking at things like healthcare costs and like all of that. And the ideas that I had in my head, again, just didn't map to reality. It's just like, okay, if I cut these expenses here, here and here, like I'm good. Right. And like, right. we're, we're going to be okay with if I, if I X, Y, Z. So that was a huge mental hurdle because John did the, the block. But what I had to do for myself too, which is like a little, sort of hard to admit, but like my imposter syndrome was like so great. Like despite working at one of the best like colleges in the world and getting recruited and stepping into this bigger role and taking on these consulting positions that I I had to create an evidence folder. I had to create and look at the wins that I had from these different areas of like career and life 
And I had to stack it all up and look at it to objectively even say, oh yeah, maybe you have some worth to do this. And it's terrible to say that, but it's true. Like I had to see it on paper to start to convince myself. And then I had to keep learning more skills and like stacking the skills that I already had on top of the things that I already did to continue to prove it myself because I just didn't really feel it. And the more I started to do that, actually look at the evidence, the more I was just like, oh, okay. Like I started to see it. Mm -hmm. And then the feedback I'd get from other people that I had heard enough, like it started to hit different because you can hear it, but not really feel it. And for me, I had to see evidence of it and then hear it. And then I was like, okay. And then self-concept and some of that like belief and confidence starts to change a little bit. And as I reframed some of those pieces, I was just like, okay. I'm starting to get this more, let's start testing stuff and let's start trying out all these different things and step back and be like, let's have a longer time frame. This isn't going to be something that's like super easy, but you know, you can, you can do it. You've done these kind of things before. And that was helpful. One of the things that I really love about you sharing about your imposter syndrome is because when I hear about imposter syndrome and I hear people talking about it, 99% of the time it's women. Women talking about imposter syndrome and I feel like a phony if I get this job. And, and here you are, a white man who in theory is, has all the privilege in the world. And, you know, you do. Yeah, totally. And, but the thing about it is, is we all struggle with this. And one of the things that might be different for and why it's not talked about is because men are not stereotypically supposed to admit a weakness. So women are talking about it because in theory, it's okay for women to talk about how they're feeling and, and what's how they're vulnerable. That's an okay quality. But it's very profound and beautiful that you shared with us that you are feeling this because I know I work with men and women. I know that men experience this feeling of imposter syndrome or not feeling good enough as much as women do. And you shared a beautiful way to start focusing and bringing like bringing yourself to that belief that you are good enough and it's the opposite of the scarcity mindset right so instead of focusing on all these things that you lack you start writing down all the things that you've done all the things that you have the skills the things you've acquired internally the internal resources you're probably starting to notice some of your superpowers. So the more you focus on those things that you have, you start to feel abundant and full. It's the opposite of feeling and focusing on what it is that you lack. So, and thank you for saying that. It, it, you know, it's, it's funny that you said the, the, the piece around the sort of like the male dynamic versus females. I've worked at a number of schools where we talked about imposter syndrome a lot. And Whenever I heard it, and this is just me being completely honest, I think I'm afraid to look inward or acknowledge whatever piece of it. I didn't want to talk about it ever, or I didn't want to like, I'd hear it and I'd internalize it and then even recognize it in like people and just be, oh, well, they're probably feeling that. And I was empathetic enough to like, 
learn and be curious about that, but I didn't ever turn that inward or even say it. So like for a long time, like I had this almost conditioned response when I heard imposter syndrome to not personally acknowledge it or want to look inward or anything like that. And it took a long time for me to even start to be able to turn that a little bit inward and be like, oh yeah, like maybe that's what's happened or maybe this is the sort of thing that's happening. And acknowledge that like when I was at this school, like this, so many sort of brilliant people, like I'd look around sometimes and be like, how am I here? Like, how did I land here? How did they like all that kind of stuff, but I never wanted to own that or see that or anything like that. And then as I stepped into these other roles, I saw it just like really sort of coming up, but I was pushing it away so much. And, and I think like one of the things that happened to me was I was hesitant to make this sort of transition away from my job. Because I was like feeling that imposter syndrome, there was this condition that I had to say, oh, well, you should run towards the things that you're scared of and you're scared of this and you need to confront this head on, but not understanding the nuance between that and, oh yeah, well, this is just not a good fit for you, right? Like you can, you're not ignoring imposter syndrome by doing something that's, no, you're going to, you're going to feel this in a lot of different sort of areas or sort of things like. But you can't conflate the sort of not being a good fit with this sort of thing. And that's totally what I was doing, where I was just saying, oh, well, yeah, you're scared of this thing. You have to like run towards it and, and not really acknowledging, well, yeah, you can do that, but you're not necessarily running towards the right thing. Well, and that's a huge thing because I, I see that if I feel scared of something, I step in, but I'm. I understand and I've done so much work that I can tell the difference between stepping into the unknown versus stepping into something that's not right or like panic. So the panic is stepping into something that's dangerous or not right for you. And for me, that feels like a very frenetic kind of fear. And the stepping into the unknown, something that's good for me, that's just unknown and scary. That feels like a very like deep in my belly kind of fear. And so because I can tell the difference, it's really easy to navigate. And the only reason I can tell the difference is because I'm not running in that panic scarcity mindset and energy in my body because it used to be that it all felt the same. So you've trained yourself to feel it in your body. So for you, this is like frenzied energy versus this is like a different belly kind of fear. And so for you, it's like run towards the belly, but stay away from frenetic. Right. Yeah. And, And so what was it that happened for you that made you realize like, oh, this is not right for me? I think it was just the, it was just the, the little signs like here, here and there. And I think the biggest thing I just noticed was there was a, an amount of, because the, the higher you step up in, in most organizations and certainly the field I was working in, the more political it becomes. And it's just the reality. There was so many sort of like rules sort of written in under and around sort of like how, how to navigate these politics. And it was just so antithetical to who, who I am or the things that I think make me strong, particularly, I think this, the, the place I was, I was working and the, it was, it was really just an energy draw, right? It was just like the types of energy I was using versus like the, the types of energy I have. And it, there was a, at some point the balance was like, 
when there wasn't enough projects for me to really leverage those unique superpowers and derive value and do things. And when I didn't, I think, cause I've got this orientation to want to do the big thing and the hard thing. Like when I ran out of those and it was more mundane day to day, like kind of things that didn't have the big thing. I was just like, oh, this energy just doesn't feel right. So it was that it was like, it was, I think a similar thing to what you just said, where I was just like, this is not a good use of the like the life force that I have. And and it was like, I think recognizing and really owning that. Well, and that comes back to being clear on the purpose, being clear on your superpowers, being clear on what gives you energy. Because if something's sucking your energy, like we all have that like toxic friend that you're just like, feel you hang out with them for 20 minutes and you're like, oh my God, I feel like I just ran a marathon. This is like, oh. So if your job is like that, it's you can't conquer that because it's always going to be sucking you dry and it's always going to be making you feel like you have a hole in your energy and you're working towards something you're really that's right for you. It when you accomplish something that's hard and unknown and scary, there's a really positive dopamine hit that sort of banks energy not just the one off and done but i'm gonna guess that those times when you would accomplish something did you get those dopamine hits yeah dead on yeah you're right it's like a storage that you have right i think a lot of people probably go through a similar cycle where it's just like you do the the big dopamine thing right and you're essentially i think feasting off that for weeks right and it's just like like feast and famine thing of like, I do the big thing, I get the the big hit. And then you've got residuals that you're sort of running off from that for, for a little while. And then eventually I think I found probably like a lot of people that just wasn't sustainable. And then again, I think for me in particular, I had to see some of this sort of irony in it where, you know, I'd done, I think a good job of helping so many people finally connect with these bigger things and, and do it. And I was noticing this disconnection of myself where I wasn't but once I came to that realization and I think Liz just kind of faced some of the stuff head on, it was just such a relief. And for me, it was just so much better to acknowledge and work towards than like work against. And it felt a little bit sort of downhill from there, even with typical struggles of starting something new or going into the unknown. It was, it took ironically less energy to do that than it did to continue to push uphill. Yeah, that's the funny thing. It's like everyone gets so scared of the big work. You you take the leap, like you move into that thing that's really aligned with you and feels good. And it just feels better. You have more energy. You're <laughs> done with working 12 hours and you still have time and energy to be present with your family or your friends. And that's such a powerful thing. So I want to reiterate to everybody how important being connected to that bigger thing and your own superpowers, those things that fuel your energy are. And remember, you can go to the actualizedself.com to get that worksheet from Mike O'Connor. It's also going to be the link will be in the show notes. And again, that the dash actualized dash self.com. And if you're struggling with 
work stress and trying to do all the things to keep all the things balanced, but you're still exhausted, you definitely need to get the three reasons why self-care makes career stress worse than the one thing that works. And that's at elevatefreegift.com. So open up the browsers, elevatefreegift.com, theactualizedself.com. Mike, I want to thank you for sharing your story and your insight and your wisdom and being vulnerable today. Yeah, it was great to speak with you. Thanks again for the opportunity and look forward to staying connected. Awesome. And everybody remember when we feel good about who we are and what we do, we create joy and elevate humanity. We will see you next time on Be the Wolf. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of Be the Wolf. Please take a moment to rate, share, and follow this podcast so that together we can inspire others to be the wolf.